can't get enough of the podcast? Lucky for you, our video IQ platform on adorebeauty.com.au houses thousands of articles on skincare, makeup, hair care, and more. Plus, you can find a heap of video tutorials, ingredient spotlights, and brand breakdowns on our YouTube channel. Just click on Beauty IQ in the menu bar of the website or app or search Adore Beauty on YouTube for more beauty content. Welcome everybody to Beauty IQ, the podcast. I'm your host, Joanna Fleming. And I am your co-host, Hannah First. I have been pissing myself for like the last hour, probably two hours actually, since I put a story up for our cringy combo. I Hannah, I can't even like begin to tell you how funny the responses have been. I'm very excited to hear all these. I'm very excited because we're seeing each other for the first time in about... When was the last time I saw you? Oh, we saw each other six months ago. No. Oh my God. That has flown. <laughs> so Joe and I are going out. We're going out for dinner tonight. So excited. You're coming out my way. It feels foreign to be out for dinner, to be honest. I'm still adjusting to the, the freedom. I feel like everybody has social anxiety now because we're not used to <laughs> I know. having um, an excuse not to go anywhere. But here we are. We're free. But even though we are free, you're maybe departing. (laughs) (laughs) So as everyone that listens to this podcast knows, I really want to go. My dad said to me the other day, he was like, he's like, you know, Melbourne's not the kind of place that has balmy summer nights. Like we get like three a year. Like it might be balmy and hot during the day, but it's like, freezing at night this is just it's very Mm. melbourne and yes i am gonna go and spend a couple of months now that the borders are open i'm like fingers crossed that the borders actually open on the 23rd because mom and i mom's already booked her flight back from byron because we're gonna drive to byron together and a little mother daughter road trip and you're gonna stay there and i'm just gonna hang around yeah just before anyone freaks out she's not leaving the podcast Um, (laughs) no oh no i'm staying on the (laughs) podcast we'll just continue recording remotely for a little bit longer yeah well it would have been weird it would have been a bit of an adjustment going into the same room again so i'm very excited to get into this cringy convo. So can you please tell us what is on today's episode? So on today's episode, we are talking about waxing nightmares for the cringy convo. And then we are talking to the CEO of TerraCycle all about recycling your beauty products and then the products we didn't know we needed. Oh, guys, and by the way, if you love the podcast, we would love for you to vote for us in the Listener's Choice category for the Australian Podcast Awards. Yes. At www.australianpodcastawards.com slash vote. Voting closes on Wednesday, the 18th of November, 2020 at 5 p.m. Terms and conditions apply. So if you love the podcast, we would love for you to vote for us. Okay, so waxing nightmares, I must say, Hannah, I did not expect to get the response that I got on my stories. So I put up a story asking for people to send through their waxing nightmares because I feel like everybody's, you know, had that experience when they've had a Brazilian and it hasn't been pleasant. But some Mm. of the stories that came through, I was pissing myself, like the funniest stories I've ever read. 
all these stories reminded me of conversations I used to have with a colleague that I worked with. So this is kind of a weird story. We're still really good friends now, but she used to do my Brazilian waxes, but she told me this story about when she was uh, a beauty therapist and she was working in a salon and she had a client come in who had obviously been to the toilet before her appointment (laughs) and um, she had accidentally left a little bit of toilet paper behind in her bottom (laughs) and so she didn't want to say anything and so she just put like the wax in there and just just ripped it off and the the toilet paper just came with it. She was like, I'm not going to embarrass her but... That was a story I couldn't forget. (laughs) I'm sure that happens all the time. Oh, all the time. Yeah. No, I think that was just that one time. But if it's ever happened to you, then it's happened before. But I Mm. guarantee that you have some kind of horror story and I'm going to guess that it's from international travel. (laughs) Yeah, of course. So it was in Cambodia, like I was 19 maybe, and so – that's 12 years ago before Brazilian waxes were like a thing, particularly Mm. in Southeast Asia. Like Brazilian waxes weren't really a thing in Australia. Like it wasn't really a big thing here, let alone over there. And I remember I went to this like beauty salon in Cambodia and I just was like, yep, I want it all off. And (laughs) so they did it, but they obviously didn't have like the experience. Like I don't think they were like keen on doing it, but like I was so forceful about it that they were like, okay. I can imagine. Like I was like, it's okay. It's okay. It's like when I got my hair cut in Cambodia and they took too much off. And so I said, no, stop. (laughs) And I I walked out of the salon and I had a lopsided Anyway, I don't know. This is me, 19, in Phnom Penh. Anyway, back to the Brazilian wax story. They couldn't get the wax off my vagina. And so I had like three women all trying to get it off. It was like the most. I don't think it's been a big thing until more recently. Interesting. Well, I'm going to dive right into the stories that I've received from listeners, which have just entertained me all afternoon. All right. So our first story, I had just moved interstate and went to a brand new clinic and ended up with a new girl fresh out of beauty school. To make matters worse, I had the last appointment of the day. I asked for an everything off Brazilian wax. Unfortunately, it wasn't until I got home that I realized my bum cheeks were completely sealed together with wax, (laughs) meaning I couldn't do number twos. I had to get my relatively new man friend to unpick the wax from between my butt cheeks, which took over an hour and a lot of pain. I didn't know anyone else in this new town, so I had no one else to ask. Needless to say, that relationship didn't last very long. Oh, my God. I love that. (laughs) At least he did it. See, I would just I'd sit myself up and do it myself in front of a mirror. Yeah. I don't think I don't think I'd want someone else doing it. <laughs> I can't imagine asking like a new relationship. I just couldn't. No, me either. So our next story. My sister went in for her usual wax appointment for just a basic bikini wax. And for some reason she didn't think about what she was doing and she got fully naked from head to toe and then realized towards the end of her appointment that she was lying there completely <laughs> nude the whole time unnecessarily. More so just a bit embarrassing. Oh well, free the nip and all. She got completely yes. nude. They didn't ask her to get 
No, no, she just took all my clothes off. Oh, wow. (laughs) Another one from a beauty therapist. Luckily, we had heaps from beauty therapists. So um, if you've ever made a mistake and you're a beauty therapist, you're not alone. Um, So this one is my best friend's mum came in for a Brazilian wax. And when I told her to roll over and lift her knee to her chest, quality waxing position right there, she did a massive fart and we nearly died of (laughs) laughter that day. (laughs) Oh, my God. Okay. I just remember going in for my first Brazilian wax and feeling so incredibly uncomfortable in that frog leg position. Oh, my God. We all know that position. (laughs) Oh, yes. That's so (laughs) spread your cheeks. Yeah. So what do I start doing? Talking about milky foot, which I had only just used a few days before and my feet were now disgusting and peeling. So I'm there while she's waxing my vagine, talking Uh, about peeling, flaking skin, shedding off my feet. (laughs) Oh, my God. Good night. Shout out to milky foot. Yes, love a milky foot. Another girl said... DIY Brazilian, wax my vagina shut, literally had to snip the thick wax away to cut her free. (laughs) Oh, yes, I've done that. I've been there. Someone else said halfway through a Brazilian and the fish and chip shop below the salon caught on fire. (laughs) Oh, what? Um, I actually have one from a team member of ours. I'm not going to name her um, because I did say this was going to be anonymous, but she wrote back and said, so my period started during a Brazilian, never went back. <gasps> oh, my God. <gasps> yeah, we had a few that wrote their beautician didn't get all the wax off their bum hole and sealed their bum closed. So that was yeah. a real popular yeah. one um, for anyone yeah. listening and agreeing along. And a lot of people that ended up with bad blisters or blood blisters from waxing. So. I feel like- the Cambodian clinic did a better job than I think some they of these might Melbourne have. salons. Yeah. Look, I'll be honest, a lot of these stories started with I got the new girl and they've all got to start somewhere. But That's <laughs> true. That's stories. totally true. I was the yeah. first Brazilian wax at that beauty salon in yeah. Cambodia and I'm sure <laughs> they learned a lot from that experience <laughs> and I wouldn't have been the last. Yeah. I must say, Hannah, it was very challenging to pick out my favourite stories as I was reading them. I was like, how am I going to cull these down? <laughs> oh, my God. Um, so if you want to see more of these stories, we're going to put uh, more of them on our Instagram. So head there to check them out if you can't get enough of these waxing stories like me. But anyone that has been traumatised by Brazilians, I also wanted to mention that Maddie Edwards Beauty specialises in doing Brazilians. I think she's been doing that for like over five years. Yeah. And she's based out in Bayside in Melbourne. If you have been traumatised before, she might be a good person to go to. And also one other thing that kept coming up was people that had brow and lip waxes um, and it had the skin taken off. And I just wanted to put a like blanket warning out there. If you use retinol and you want to go and have facial waxing done, stop using your retinol at least five days before. And if you're on something like Roaccutane, don't even think about it because you will definitely have some skin taken off with the hair. So that is my formal warning to you. So Hannah, I put an Instagram story up a few weeks ago now, and I can't even count the amount of responses that we got from people wanting to know more about recycling and being more, I guess, smart about how they dispose of their beauty products. Obviously, the more that we consume, the more that we're more waste we're putting out there. So 
I actually asked the CEO of TerraCycle, Tom Zaki, to join us today, all the way from New Jersey to talk all things recycling. So if you haven't heard of TerraCycle, they're the leaders in recycling the hard to recycle. And they operate in over 20 countries and they improve the way that we dispose of waste like beauty packaging. So thanks for joining us today, Tom. Thanks for having me. So at Adore, we are very focused on being more sustainable. It's like one of the things that uh, we do in our office. Hannah used to bring in a disposable Don't, don't tell people that. That was years ago. <laughs> did, you just, did you just out Hannah? That's yeah, I did. <laughs> I did. No, she stopped because we all got gifted little keep cups. So we are not allowed to have disposable coffee cups in the office. And we're constantly trying to improve our warehouse processes as well to reduce waste. Do you happen to know how much we generate per year in beauty products globally in terms of waste? I mean, it is a absolutely massive problem there, you know, this entire idea of, uh, of garbage. And it's so important to note that, you know, in the end, even if we make our processes uh, uh, really good and we are able to, to solve a lot of the backend waste, you know, most beauty products today are not recyclable. So even the post-consumer stuff ends up as waste as well. And from a total, you know, quantity point of view, it's a bit hard to sort of get our absolute understanding on, you know, how much is out there, but it's in the hundreds of billions of units of waste uh, per year, if you think about the whole beauty uh, ecosystem. Wow, that is a lot. Massive. <laughs> can you tell us a bit more about TerraCycle and how our listeners can get involved? Absolutely. So, you know, TerraCycle is a mission-driven waste management company, and uh, we operate in Australia, uh, New Zealand. But you know, as, as uh, Joanna, you mentioned, you know, twenty countries in total. So, uh, very excited to be you know operating locally uh, and around the world. And we have sort of three things we do. You know, the first is uh, we look at products and packages that are today not locally recyclable, and we set up national programs to recycle them. And a lot of these are funded by amazing brands and retailers, so they're free to the public. Uh, we pay for shipping, we even give a small donation for every piece of waste you collect to a school or charity of your choice, totaling just under $50 million donated so far. And you can access that, again, totally for free at uh, terracycle.com, and then from there, search the country you're interested in and uh, what waste streams you may be interested in. And please, please, remember and honor the brands who made it free for you, you know, mm -hmm. uh, ideally by voting for their products versus someone else. Now, if you find something that you want to recycle that we may not have a sponsor kind enough to fund, then you can also pay for uh, the service, you know, through our paid uh, platforms. You know, we call those zero waste boxes and other similar methods. And uh, those are also resold uh, by retailers like uh, AU Post or Officeworks in, uh, in Australia. So that's our first thing. The second thing that we do is not about collecting and recycling, but how do we integrate more waste back into products so that the products themselves are made from waste. And we try to here focus on not say normal recycling streams, but how do we get ocean plastic, river plastic, Aboriginal plastic, rock and roll festival waste, you know, all these areas that would have not been cleaned up otherwise back into, you know, consumer products. And then our third division, which is actually launching uh, in Australia middle of next year, uh, starting with Woolworths, is uh, a division called Loop, which is how do we move from single use products, uh, where the best thing to do is collect and recycle them and make them from recycled content to reusable ecosystems where instead of it being disposed or recycled, it gets cleaned and refilled and goes and goes around again and again. Mm, I love that you mentioned the ocean plastics because that triggered my memory that Kevin Murphy, which is a big hair care brand in Australia, has switched over to using 100% ocean plastic to make their packaging, which is amazing. A very expensive process for a brand to go through, but so worth it in the long run from a 
environmental perspective. I find recycling can be a little bit confusing in general and not even just with beauty products. But when it comes to the recycling of beauty products, what are the biggest no-nos? So this is a good question and a good way to understand recycling is let's take a step back first before the specific answer to your question and understand what makes something recyclable to begin with. And many people think it's about, is that object possible to recycle? Like, does it is it made up of a way that a recycler can recycle it? And that actually has very little to do with what makes something recyclable. You know, recycling companies, waste management companies are for-profit enterprises. So they're only going to recycle what they can recycle at a profit. And they're going to not recycle things that cost more to recycle than the results are worth. So really important to frame that we need to feed the garbage stream what it wants. In other words, garbage companies are not responsible ethically, morally, or, you know, even like financially to recycle what we give them. Instead, we should give them what they want to recycle. And so that's the key underlying, you know, sort of thing to think about. So what are some challenges, right? In the world of beauty products, why so many beauty products are hard to recycle could be perhaps they're small in size. When you get below, you know, call it an object that's two inches by two inches by two inches cubed, anything smaller than that, it's just not economically worthwhile for a traditional recycler, no matter what it's made from, to bother collecting it and recycling it. It's just too small and it just won't make them a profit. That's one. Two is if we start using multiple materials, It just doesn't make economic sense for a recycler to bother separating them. Compostables, very trendy in the beauty industry, actually pretty horrible from an end-of-life point of view. If you think about the economics for a composter, it degrades their business model, compostable packaging. So most composters, believe it or not, don't take any plastic that may be in the compost feedstock, they get and sort it out and burn it and don't actually compost it. The vast majority of composters are like that around the world. And in all these cases, It's all about it doesn't make sense for them economically. You know, what makes the most recyclable package, to go the other way to your question, is things like clear glass, clear PET, that's like a plastic for shampoo, or, you know, HDPE, that's light color, that's like a conditioner bottle. You know, those would be example aluminum cans or bottles. Those are really good as well for recyclers, and those all have one thing in common they're easy for them to make money at recycling. So what kind of things fall under that hard to recycle umbrella? (laughs) This is the crazy thing. I mean, one of the things I love about garbage is that we live in a world where in no small part, we measure our status in society linked to how much stuff we have, you know, how many cars, houses, whatever, right? But isn't it weird that everything one day will belong to a garbage industry? Bar none, everything. And in fact, 99% of what we buy in a year belongs to a garbage company within that year, 99% of it. Now, I mentioned that because please think about garbage, not just as the obvious, like a package that's empty, you know, or a coffee cup that's empty, but literally the walls behind you, the carpet you're standing on. I mean, literally everything. And if you take that broad view on garbage, 90% of stuff is not going to be recyclable. Oh, that's scary. (laughs) It is scary when you think about it. Because remember, we think about garbage, you know, like a chip bag and a coffee cup and, you know, and a pen. Mm -hmm. But it's actually much more than that. It's 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 yeah. the coffee table, you know, that you're on. It's the chair you're sitting in. It's the shoes you're walking in. Yeah. Someone actually told me a long time ago, and this is what made me switch to being more sustainable with sanitary items, is that every sanitary pad that's ever been used is still on the earth and yes. that or it could be incinerated. Mm. But that fact really shook me. And so I was like, I'm going to switch over to more sustainable sanitary items because I just I don't like the thought of wasting that much stuff, even though I'm probably contributing in other ways, 
I'm trying to do a good thing just in that area. Many of our brands are moving towards reusable or refillable packaging or using larger bottles or more eco-friendly packaging, as I mentioned, Kevin Murphy earlier. What impact does that have in the big scheme of things? A A big one, right? If you think about the hierarchy of waste, let's go through the worst thing to the best thing. So the very worst thing we can do is litter right? That's that's uncontrolled disposal. We just throw it in a natural environment. I think we can all agree, so I won't go through why that's bad. Better than littering is putting all that litter in a pile and calling it a landfill. That's, let's call it controlled littering, right? Um, and it all goes in a pile. At least that's much better because it's all in one place and it can be easier to manage. Better than that is taking that pile and burning it and getting the energy value back of burning it. Those are your linear solutions. Now, what that really means is that you can do those once and then you have to go make the next object that you desire, the the object that's replacing the one you threw out, again from scratch. Mm. And if you think about every environmental issue in the world, you know, one of the challenges with sustainability is that it's incredibly complex. How many people can link, you know, why an orangutan doesn't have a habitat uh, to, you know, a shampoo bottle, right? Uh, And the the connection with palm oil. That is a phenomenally complex topic. Climate change is complex. Um, You know, the waste issue is complex. And sometimes they're not even linear. You do something good here and something bad over there happens, right? But every environmental issue can be uh, distilled down to our act of purchase creating the need to farm and mine things, right? That's actually a very nice unifying sort of piece. So linear solutions are not so good because you have to remine, refarm whatever that object was that's gonna replace the one you throw it out. So you get to circular solutions. Within circular solutions, the first, you know, at the bottom of the first circular solution would be recycling. There you're ripping the thing apart and recovering the material it's made from. Better than that is reuse, which is what you were asking, where you, mm-hmm. you value, every aspect of the waste, the form, the function, and the material, and all you're doing is cleaning it and letting it be filled again. Now, here's the punchline. Better than that is not buying something at all. Mm. And I think we have to really acknowledge that because there is no good form of consumption. It doesn't matter if, you know, the vegan burger, you know, grown, you know, by the hippies, you know, uh, organic farming, you name it, perfect in every way. That farm could have been a forest, Mm -hmm. right? There is no such thing as perfect consumption. And what we have to really understand is that it's not, reuse is not the pinnacle. The pinnacle is limiting how much we consume because we're gouging ourselves on consumption at an ever-increasing rate. And it's nuts. And it's not just packaging. It's everything. I mean, an average Western shopper 100 years ago would buy two apparel items a year and they would last on average 20 years. Today, the same shopper buys 66 apparel items a year and wears them on average three times before disposal. Wow. That's crazy. Plus yeah. the population's growing, right? So, so yes, reuse is the best within consumption, but we do need to meditate and reflect. And it's very hard for business to do this, but it's very appropriate for us as individual citizens to do this. Really good point. I feel like that made it a little bit more simple for me to understand like that's like the simplest terms just buy less things and you're doing well it's like joe all the fast fashion companies you know like i I didn't probably used to be as conscious about it but now like i would rather spend more on a pair of like lululemon tights that last five years than to buy like some other brand and then chuck them out in a month. No, I completely agree. And I think, look, here's the cool part, right? You know, many times as individuals, we feel powerless. We say, oh, it's the big companies, you know, that are manipulating our desires and blah, blah, blah. I'm sure you've heard this argument many times. So our desires are incredibly powerful because what we buy is, the fu- is, is what appears in the future. And what we don't buy doesn't appear. 
So if we stop buying the fast fashion, which Hannah, you just mentioned, then those retailers will shift right mm. away or they're not going to be around and they know that. Mm. Mm. Yeah, no, I always thought it was interesting when I started at Adore Beauty, the packaging at Adore Beauty is really basic because it's recyclable and it's made from recycled material. So it's like brown paper packaging. Just very, And I always thought, oh, for a beauty company, that's really odd because beauty is usually all about the frills and it looking beautiful. But what I've noticed in the last couple of years is people actually really appreciate that packaging. Mm. Amen. I mean, absolutely right. And, you know, that goes to the earlier question, you know, that Joanna, you were asking. It's like to design beauty products into what the recycling system wants. Yeah. You have to do basics. You have to do simple things. You need to keep it in a way that a recycler can easily take it apart and profitably recycle it. Uh, we need to really think about simplifying because in the end, isn't what you're buying what's inside the bottle? Yeah. So what are, we've kind of touched on this, but what are the best initiatives you've seen from beauty brands at the moment in the sustainability space? So there's some exciting things going on. I, I'm a big fan of, of beauty brands. Lush is a good example on depackaging and going to this idea of how do we completely eliminate packaging, which also may mean how do we eliminate the water in the product, you know, and concentrate, make things into a bar, a tablet, and eliminate the whole concept of packaging altogether. I think that's absolutely brilliant. Now, that works maybe a little better in certain distribution environments, you know, like online and boutiques, so maybe a little bit better than your mass market environments, but really, really cool. I think, you know, to the earlier comment you made, reusables are trending really well. And I think that's brilliant. And isn't that amazing? Because that's exactly how our grandparents experienced cosmetics. You know, before mm. sustainability was mm. a word, you know, the, the perfume packaging and the face cream and all that stuff was all, you know, very uh, reusable. And the thing with reuse is there's many ways to, to come to it. You know, with Loop, what we do, it's a professional reuse ecosystem where you can dispose your package and then we clean it and it gets refilled and sold to someone else. But it could be, you know, keep it at home uh, like Olay has done. You, know, you keep the container at home and you buy just the content that you put into that nice container. That's, that's a good modality. Or refill stations, which have been really good as well. We also have to keep the basics in mind, which is just how do we increase the recyclability and recycled content in packaging? Because people still just love disposable packaging. They vote for it all the time. And we have to make sure that's also more sustainable as well. I think there's a, what's good is that the, this industry, I mean, we've been, we've been you know, working in it for over a decade and we're the world's largest cosmetic recycler. And I've seen such a change in the past two years in the positive direction. But I also think that there's a lot of well-intentioned companies that maybe not sort of peeling below the surface and doing things that they think are more sustainable and it's and it's not in fact the case. And so it's very important to watch out and make sure that when you're developing products or when you're a consumer and purchasing them, you're really you know, not just sort of focusing on the veneer, right? And going one level uh, mm -hmm. deeper. And so I would, you know, really compliment the areas of depackaging, recyclability and reuse. Definitely. Well, this has been a very interesting chat and it's certainly going to make me think about a lot of things. I've got a bit of a problem at the moment with um, getting deliveries, like PR deliveries mm. and seeing all of the packaging that I'm throwing out every week and it's really starting to bother me quite a lot. Same. And I know that a lot of people in the industry, in beauty and fashion, are starting to say, well, I don't want deliveries from PR agencies that aren't using recyclable packaging and things like that. So I think there's definitely a big shift needs to happen in yeah. our culture and our society, but hopefully we'll start to see more of that because I think brands are trying to move in the right direction, but yeah. 
you know, I think it is really overwhelming for consumers as well. Often I just feel like, oh, I have no idea what I'm doing. So, you know, maybe I just shouldn't bother because I'm probably not doing the right thing anyway and trying to throw out that product and taking it apart so that it's recyclable. I don't even know if I'm doing the right thing. So, yeah, I think this is a really important discussion to have. No, but it's good that, you know, we're thinking about it, right? Because that is a Mm. monumental shift and it starts there, right? And once we start thinking about it, then you start calling those editors and say, let's do it differently. Then they start saying, wait a minute, you know, we need to change. And then it just starts trickling from there. So, I mean, I encourage everyone, our voices are more powerful than ever were before, you know, and uh, use them. And then vote consciously because you're voting no matter whether you know it or not with your money. Mm. So at least be eyes wide open on what you're voting for. Yeah. Well, speaking of voting, good luck to you over Mm. there in the US. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you you so much for joining (laughs) us today. It's been an awesome chat. I think it's very important. And hopefully everybody who requested this segment on the podcast has learned as much as Hannah and I have. So thanks so much for joining us today, Tom. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure to be with you and look forward to the next time. PWD, KWN, Hannah, I'm uh, kind of stealing one from you this week, even though you haven't done this product, but you were raving about Tuscan Tan last week, I think it was. And this is a product that I've actually been using for a couple of years because as I told you, a friend of mine used to work for Tuscan Tan and she used to gift me a lot of their products to try and I've used them for quite a long time. And I always have this body wash in my shower. So it's the Tuscan Tan Toner Skin Wash. It's 25 bucks, but it's a violet toned wash, but it balances your skin's pH level so that it sits at 5.5. It doesn't strip your tan off and it helps to maintain the integrity of your tan. So if you find that your tan um, goes a little bit orange after a couple of days, this is a really good one to use. It helps to like tone it and maintains the color so that it fades naturally and you don't get like, you know, it going orange and a bit yucky. So I've used this for ages and also because it's pH balance. She told me at the time that you could use it on your vagine and you wouldn't have any issues. Oh. So um, I'm not suggesting that everybody does that, but that's just but, a know, little I'll thing try that it. she told me on the – Yeah, I know you will. <laughs> um, it's got chamomile and glycerin and stuff in it. So it's a, it's a nice little formula. It smells amazing too. It smells like a holiday actually. It's a really interesting product. Mm, yeah, I have never seen anything like it. No, me either. Yeah. Mm. Good old Tuscan tan. I know. I know. I feel like, yeah, you said last time we might be overselling it, but um, no, we genuinely just both really enjoy it. (laughs) I literally will will never be able, I don't think I'll be able to use anything else. Wow. You know, when a product ruins you for all other products, Mm -hmm. this is the product that's ruined me for all other products. Yeah. All right, Hannah, what is your product you didn't know you needed today? So... I don't know if you've seen on Instagram because you haven't seen me in person, but finally I've had my hair fixed. Yes. And my hair is no longer red. It's Amazing. very exciting. Yep. So while I was in ISO, I was using that Christopher Barn shade variation in ash brown mm-hmm. um, to keep try to keep the red because it's actually a blue tone. It it has blue pigment in it as Mm. well. So what I did was I went to the hairdresser and what they did was they did like foils and then had to like then do like a semi-permanent on like the all the like hair that wasn't in the foils. Yeah. And then they did like a toner to tone out all like the orange and reds. And wow. it's come out like it's come out really good. And so what I'm going to do is just I'm going to grow it out. So it's kind of like balayage. 
Yes. Okay. What did they say about your color when you went in? Like, was there a reason that it faded out the way it did? It was the box dye. <laughs> yep. Okay. Great. <laughs> um, which she said, if you're gray, box dye is great. Like, go for it. But yeah. she's like, you're not gray, so like, don't bother. Like, you've got your natural colors perfect. Mm. So she's just like, you're gonna have to grow it out. Well, you liked the box dye for the shine. The issue with the box dye is that it lifts the color. So, mm-hmm. so for someone like me, it'll end up going a bit red. Okay. Yeah. So anyway. Long story short, I am using, because now I've got like these ashy highlights now, I'm using the Goldwell Color Revive and I'm using it in Icy Blonde. Is this a shampoo? No, it's it's a conditioner. So oh. it's, like a, it's like a color. Is this like what I use, my Revlon Professional yes, color I think cream? Yes, I, I think that's what it's mm, like. But okay. they're like, t- it's a toning conditioner. Yes. So it like will refresh your hair like in between going to the salon. Okay. And they've actually got, I think they've got five colors. Yeah, so if you've got, got icy blonde, light cool blonde, warm brown, cool brown and cool red. So if you're mm. in between like getting your hair done at the salon, you can use these color conditioners to like give your hair a freshen up. So I'm using that at the moment to keep the orangey yellow ready tones out. So mm-hmm. loving it. Yeah, that's it. That's mine. But my hair's all fixed finally. I also like went rogue and had like long bangs cut. Yeah, I love that for you. Yeah. Yeah. It gives you so much more versatility with your hairstyles, I think, having a little bit of dimension in terms of your cut. Yeah, I'm thinking about yes. getting more layers in my hair because I'm really loving those like flicky blow wave styles at the moment. It's almost like mm. 90s hair a little bit is back and I'm vibing with it. So I think I might go and get a few layers, especially put through the front. This is what TikTok does to me, okay? I see a few TikToks mm. of something and then I'm like, I need that. But uh, I'm very indecisive about my hair, so that may not happen, but we'll see. The colour of your hair can really impact your whole look. Mm. That's what I learned in ISO. Mm. And also just if something isn't quite right and you know it, you know how it just shits you every day, like when you know something isn't quite right. The red, I would just stare at myself on Zoom calls and just (laughs) shake my head. I was like, I just hate my hair. Like Zoom has made us all so much more superficial because we're seeing ourselves way too often. Do you ever, like, do you ever just like stare at yourself on Zoom? Like I like a dumb, yeah, okay, it's not just me. It's like when you walk past a mirror, do you know this? the 2020 walking down the street and looking at yourself in a window (laughs) so looking at yourself on zoom calls is the 2020 version of that yeah 100 percent. that's so true (laughs) i have been doing some serious binging tv binging i do have one recommendation for you it's called in the dark it's on stan yeah it's about a blind girl and she it's crime as well so you'll really like it Oh, okay. I'll watch that on the weekend. I watch 12 episodes in 24 hours. Okay. Yep. I'll do the same. (laughs) (laughs) And the guy in it is just... Oh, that's why you like it. Okay. (laughs) Thanks everyone for joining us today. Don't forget to subscribe and tell your friends. It helps other people to discover us. And also we really want to know what you thought about this podcast. So if you can leave us a review, that would be much appreciated. 